brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to another episode of Don't Call It Small. I'm your host, Natasha Foreman. If you don't know me and you have no clue what this podcast is all about, let me share a bit. I'm the CEO of Foreman & Associates, LLC, where we provide consulting, business support, and professional development services. And Don't Call It Small is where we talk all things business, share tips and news that you can use, and highlight the people and ideas behind the products and services that we buy. To learn more about our team, please visit foremanllc.com. Hello, everyone. Wow. I'm glad to be back for episode 39. Um, before we get into our discussion, um, let's take a moment of silence in honor of four young lives, or goodness, um, five, well, actually more than four, um, that were lives that were sensibly taken from this world. Um, Brianna Taylor, resting inside of her home. Stephen Taylor, not related. A man with a bat inside of San Leandro Walmart who was clearly struggling with a mental health issue. Ahmaud Arbery, casually jogging outside. George Floyd, trying to get groceries. Regis Korchinski Paquette, who suffered from severe epilepsy, which triggers mental health issues, and her mother called the police to have them help her daughter get medical treatment. Instead, she fell 24 stories to her death. Let's also pause a moment for people who were killed while protesting these and other senseless deaths. We're here today, but they aren't. For no other reason than someone didn't think that their life mattered, that their life had value. Let's have a moment of silence in their honor.
Thank you for that. All right. <laughs> um, let's shift our mind, if we can, a pivot of sorts to um, focus on business. It's kind of difficult, I know, with all that's going on. Um, but this this episode was originally supposed to be recorded last week, but with all that we've been experiencing, we needed to pause to focus our attention on those matters. And today's topic is an urgent call to action to help us reformat our lives in a new way. And business is is the foundational um, layer of uh, that way. So we're going to briefly discuss why my opinion about growing business roots to form a stronger foundation in life is a sound approach. And of course, you can disagree and you can let me know why by sending an email to don't call it small biz at gmail.com. But before you start tap, tap, tapping on your phone, tablet or computer, hear me out first. Does that sound like a plan? Or as Lorenz Tate's character Darius Lovehall said in the movie Love Jones, is that all right? <laughs> I've got to lighten the mood just a tad because it's so thick in here, it's hard to breathe. And as we're dealing with all different issues in our cities and towns and um, regions and country, we still have all of these other layers of things that have to be dealt with. Life doesn't just stop moving as we're focusing on something else. So I decided to run with today's topic because as a business management consultant and business professor, I see a lot of loose strings that are floating around unattached, hoping to be connected to something healthy and sturdy. And especially now, as I see more and more people in small businesses struggling, I also see a lot of young people who aren't equipped to handle what's coming their way. And I used to teach younger students, middle school and high school, not for long, <laughs> but long enough to reinforce the thoughts and beliefs that I long um, held about our modern day educational system. And my experiences have shaped how I think today and why I'm so passionate about providing young people with better options and opportunities to shine and thrive. For the most part, our students are not being taught, nurtured, and equipped with the skills that will help them to succeed in life, personally or professionally. We aren't teaching them um, about their strengths and, and we're not teaching to their strengths and, and interests. We're not teaching them about their strengths and their interests, right? We're teaching to old standards that are merely reacting to market fluctuations, all while getting our butts royally kicked on the global stage. And our kids are struggling in all of the areas and subjects that they need to thrive in as adults. Our school systems have removed the vital, placed too great of an emphasis on test taking, and tone down the essentials that help to ensure that children have the emotional intelligence to endure the storms that life will send their way. It doesn't make sense. And educators and academic executives know this fact, yet nothing's being done to rectify it in our public schools. Instead, we keep stuffing more kids into classrooms, maxing out the limits of their teachers. Many of you have one or more children, and y'all can't wait for life to return to somewhat normal again so you can get your kids into camps and schools and out of your space for eight plus hours a day. Now imagine what their teachers felt like having 20, 30, and in some cases, 45 kids to deal with, manage, and lead five days a week. And then you have the audacity to email or call them fussing about something concerning your child. Huh? Now you're getting a taste of it. For the most part, teachers hate teaching for the test. The tests need to go to the test graveyard and stay there. <laughs> 
Um, not all tests, but there are some tests that just have to go. And kids and teachers are over the test. They're done. Put a fork in them. Entry test, grade level test, date test. We don't want you here test. This is how we get keep this is how we keep getting funding tests, intervention tests for learning aptitude, exit exams, and we have PSATs, ACTs, SATs, and everything T's. It's ridiculous. It's simple. Cut back on the bulk of those tests. And most importantly, make school relevant. What skills do children need to know now and in the future? Why is it that our children don't have a clue how to survive, fail, and recover, and thrive through adversity? Because we aren't giving them the opportunities to learn. Test-taking. Blah. Yuck. Ugh. Regurgitate this information to prove that you can regurgitate information. You aren't learning the information. It isn't applied to anything relevant in life so that it makes sense and has some stickability months and years after it's learned. So how much information do you think is retained after taking a test? Unless the test included essays or short-form answers that required the student to put into words the answers, then there's a high probability that most of what they read on that exam disappeared hours after they answered the last question. If they got the question right. The same is true for general learning in school. That's why, as I shared in a previous episode, how roughly 80% of students only retain about 20% of what they learn once they leave high school. The same is probably true for some of you after you graduated from college. In the 1880s, psychologist Herman Ebinghaus, Ebinghaus excuse me, conducted memory experiments testing forgetfulness. And in his experiments, he discovered that without any reinforcement or connections to prior knowledge, information is quickly forgotten. So basically, about 56% in one hour, 66% after a day, and 75% after six days. Just forgotten. Poof. Gone. Most students can easily recall social factors like extracurricular activities or something funny or tragic that happened in a classroom or performance, etc. At most, it's only the content that was embedded in constantly reinforced that carries on beyond that ecosystem. Pythagorean theorem. Many of you can quickly recite it. A squared plus B squared equals C squared, right? You just blah, blah, blah. You may recall rhymes that your teachers taught you to remember mathematical equations. Or how about the, the one for the order of operations? Please excuse my dear Aunt Sally, which is parentheses, exponents, multiplication, division, addition, subtraction, also known as PEMDAS, right? Maybe you recall one of Sir Isaac Newton's three laws of motion, and maybe you only partially recall the one. For instance, a body at rest tends to remain at rest, or a body in motion tends to stay in motion. But do you remember the rest of the law? Some of you probably don't. Why? Because the first part was so catchy and has been recited so frequently, even in commercials, that it's embedded in your mind like a song. So what's the rest of the first law? A body in motion tends to stay in motion at a constant speed in a straight line unless acted on by an outside force. So if the net unbalanced force is zero, then the acceleration is also zero. Maybe you forgot that part, (laughs) right? Because you haven't had to apply since middle school or high school. There's absolutely no doubt that English, math, science, history, art, and other subjects are important and useful during and after our primary and secondary learning stages. It's how they're taught that makes them a bore or struggle for most students. 
Imagine making some tweaks here and there to make the experience more enjoyable, rewarding, exciting, challenging, and fun. At the same time, going back to teaching towards strengths. If a student can't read, then there's no way they can master most of the other required subjects. So how is it the students are being passed from one grade to the next level if they can't read? Some students, by default, fall into safe zones where their academic weaknesses are less obvious. And that's why so many athletes major in um, and this is no offense, but major in communication, sociology, and social work, which, like I said, no disrespect to the athletes, no disrespect to these fields, but they are default majors for coaches who simply want to win at all costs. And they know that not much will be required of their athletes in these majors. It's very, it's been proven. I mean, pay close attention to some athletes who major in communications, yet they are poor communicators. Either they aren't learning or they aren't being taught, which is it? When I ask athletes majoring in social work or sociology what they intend to do with their degrees upon completion, all they usually say is help others. But what does that mean? Most fail to clearly articulate the target goals and objectives associated with spending roughly two years on general ed requirements, two years on their major requirements, and how all of this factors into the 60 plus years of life they're expected to live post-graduation. When I ask them, what if you don't make it to the pros? What if your career is cut short? How will you use your degree? They never factor in those what-ifs. And let's be clear, the majority of organizations in the world aren't paying six and seven figures for candidates with those majors. We aren't helping our children and young adults lay the proper foundations for their success. It's just that simple. You can't tell a person that who's, who's, they're, they're focusing and you, you, you pigeonhole them that way. Like it's just not right. I oftentimes see students who are choosing majors um, sports, extracurricular activities, and colleges based on what their family says. They're living for their families and not for themselves. Your family won't be the ones doing the coursework, playing the instruments, sweating through those workouts, or sitting in those classrooms. It's you, all you. And every decision that you make now impacts the steps of your future. Mama wants her son to make it big in basketball so he can buy her a big house. No offense, Mama, but maybe you should have positioned yourself to have the career that would pay for your own dadgum house. Putting the pressure on your child to perform at a standard that clearly you did not and could not is not fair. It's unfair. It associates money with the end-all be-all of happiness. Then our children become desperate to get money by any means necessary. The catch to that rat race is that when your child signs an NCAA contract, they are restricted from earning money while under contract. The college or university will be making a killing, hand over fist, but your child will struggle. And that's why we see students selling drugs, selling their bodies on porn sites and webcams and strippers and through all other sources. Our children are trying to get their hands on that fast cast and it's all a trap. Where did they learn about the fast cash? Where did they learn? Where is this obsession? And the mounting pressures leads to stress, depression, and risk a long history of mental health roller coaster rides. And let me also add, your sole investment should not be in their athletic and extracurricular activities and achievements. They need to have multiple strengths and skills to leverage toward success. You and your kids better know business or your child could be a superstar one day, living it up, and then broker than a joke a few years later. And we have plenty of examples of broke and broken professional athletes. Shortened careers and greedy friends and family who took more than they gave and an athlete who didn't know any better. I've been doing a lot of research on the adult entertainment industry, specifically porn, and it's disturbing to see how young people are attracted to the industry by promises of getting rich and famous. They have no clue what they have to give up to risk not getting much of anything in return. If they knew business, then they would know that they are actually on the short end of the stick. 
But lack of business acumen leaves a long string of soul-crushed bodies along porn's ditches. When interviewed, the majority of girls and young women were running to money and running away from their home life. Parents and guardians that were smothering, pressuring, restricting, or overly protecting them. Unknowingly pushing them right into the arms of porn agents. Yep, just what mom and dad envisioned for their baby, huh? Parents have to realize that your sense of protection is actually a recipe for your child's destruction. Lack of honesty and transparency leads your child to find out the hard way and from the wrong people. Forcing your child into your bubble box platform is a great incentive for them to want to break free. That's why children of pastors, military personnel, and law enforcement officers are usually the wild kids. They are the wild ones. Let them loose and watch them behave like a wild animal. (laughs) And it's not... Let's be very clear, this is not a pass to ride the wave of your child's life. Parents need to stop living vicariously through your children. If you didn't do it, then don't see your child as your chance to finally do it, but through them. You had your chance. Try something else in life that you can be proud of, but don't force or manipulate your child to take a journey simply because it was one that you longed for but didn't get to achieve. This brings me back to business. There's not one college major, not one career in the world that does not need business principles to help connect the dots. You want to be an artist? Do you know any that, okay, most artists that are struggling artists, do you know why most of them are struggling? Because they don't have a business background. They're great at the art. They suck at the business side. I worked more than 17 years in the music industry and guess what I saw and what I see still to this day. Hundreds and thousands of artistic people, creatives as they're called, and 99% of them have no business foundation, hence why they get suckered into the trappings of the industry. The same is true of actors. Folks keep forgetting that it's the music business, the film business. They are industries, enterprises, conglomerates. They are in business to produce the product of music, television, films, etc. If you don't know the business, then you are bound to get your butt burned by the business. So, you don't want to be in entertainment. You want to be an architect, scientist, astronaut, politician, pastor, hairstylist, barber, dentist, lawyer, doctor, construction worker, flagman, event planner, engineer, computer programmer, gamer, coder, graphic artist, seamstress, cosmetologist. I can go on and on until I pass out. No matter what career that I mention, I can guarantee you the best and brightest have a strong business foundation supporting them. Or they learn the hard way and later on found the business people to help educate them so they could have a solid foundation. When I was a professor at Emory University, I had a student who was a business major. He was a senior. He was miserable. He was so miserable that he oftentimes disrupted my class, making comments that insulted at least 40% of the class and irritated at least 50% of the class. So we had 90% of the class that was just pissed off. The remaining 10% most likely were too consumed with their laptops and phones to even know he was talking. Anyway, I I digress. Back to Mr. Business Major. I pulled him aside one day and came right out and asked him what was up with him. What he shared with me shocked me. It wasn't what I expected. My student was close to earning his bachelor's degree in business, but he wanted to be an art major. He said that his dad refused to let him major in art, saying that he wouldn't waste his money on an art degree. He said that his son would go to business school, graduate, then work for his friend's firm in New York. I looked into my students' eyes at the stress and strain caused them to tear up. You're like this, I'm serious. He teared up. He was just absolutely depressed. I mean, miserable. I told him that I wish I met him two years earlier because I had the perfect solution for him. I asked him, did it ever dawn on you to double major in business and art or major in business and minor in art? 
he looked at me with absolute confusion. Like I had spoken a foreign language and he asked me to repeat myself. So I did. I then explained, your dad said he wouldn't waste his money on an art degree. Well, had you taken one of the two approaches that I just mentioned, dad would have still been paying for the business degree, but you would have also gotten what you wanted. Your dad isn't wrong for wanting you to have a business foundation. He's wrong for his approach and for forcing you to do something. And then I told him, whether you choose art or choose to represent artists or have an art gallery, the missing component to your and their success is the business knowledge. Artists don't fail because they suck. Well, not the good and great ones, right? They fail because they don't have the business acumen to succeed. That's why the famous artists we know about are only famous after they die. It's when someone else takes their art, markets, and sells it and makes a crap load of money doing so that the rest of us say, oh, wow, I've got to have one of so-and-so's pieces in my home. Whether it be a degree, experience, or absorbing a whole bunch of books and videos, you still need business to succeed. I then shared examples with him of how business benefits art and vice versa. It's rare to see fancy-smancy corporations who don't have expensive artwork on their walls or mounted sculptures towering over you. Art is a conversation starter and interrupter. Great art, exceptional art, speaks volumes about the person who possesses it. They could be dumb as rocks. But when you know that they have the insight to invest in something that you would deem exquisite, bold, enticing, or whatever, it changes your perspective about the dumb as rocks person. I mean, it's really that simple. They must know something. So you give them your attention. You give them the benefit of the doubt. Business deals have been closed based on simple factors like that. Strange but true. Person's dumb as rocks, but gosh, they've got a great eye for investing in art or whatever. When you see art in those office buildings, you have to know that someone came and pitched those art pieces to a high-level executive who said, let's do this. And a budget was created for those acquisitions. And I can guarantee you they were all itemized as business investments. Somehow, someway. Yes, indeed. Somehow. Unless, of course, the CEO simply said, hey, let's take some pieces from my personal inventory and put them in here to spruce up the place. That can happen. I've seen it done. And even then, it was done for the same purpose. To start or interrupt conversations to convey a message that you aren't dealing with a chump change kind of person. They know quality and they invest wisely. And the art's pretty or bold, or sexy, or whatever. My student stood before me with this, his his mouth was just gaped wide open, eyes almost bulging from his face. He was in shock by what he heard. Then he said the words I knew would come out next. He said, I hadn't thought about that. I never thought to double major or to do a minor so I could have both. I never thought how business could benefit art and vice versa. Then I clobbered him again by pointing out that his future business degree didn't teach him something more valuable and longer lasting. Common sense. (laughs) He laughed. I laughed. I mean, it doesn't take a business professional to make crystal clear the tie-in and benefits of business in every single career on this planet. It just requires common sense. As my papa used to say, my my maternal grandfather he used to say you can have all the book sense in the world but if you don't have any common sense then it don't mean a damn thing right and he said it other ways as well basically papa was saying that without common sense you're dumb as rocks we're back to being dumb as rocks okay well natasha what about lawyers 
you ask. Well, okay, yes, the lawyers. I have friends and family members who were or are lawyers. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Unless they practice corporate law and have strong business management experience, they will still struggle like a fish out of water. I've had corporate lawyers as clients who were great with contractual law and the ins and outs of M&As and blah, 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 blah. However, they sucked at managing their businesses, hence why they hired me to come in to rescue their firms. There's a lot of theory taught in school, but we're missing real-world, real-time application. Students need to be able to roll up their sleeves and get down and dirty in the subjects that they are learning. Learning math in K-12 would be more appealing if you converted the lessons into real-world applicable scenarios. Teach me how to budget, manage money, invest, purchase real estate, stack my chips so I don't have to take out student loans or not so many. Teach me how to have more money than month instead of more month than money. Why should I be focused on inflation and interest rates? What stock should I invest in? Hmm... Maybe start with the products that I use daily, like the brands that my family shells out tons of money to weekly or monthly for toothpaste, toilet tissue that... Lord, toilet tissue. Oh, um, deodorant, hair care products, clothing, shoes, accessories, right? I mean, if I own a Tesla, Ford, Chevy, Volkswagen, or have a desire to, shouldn't I be investing in those product lines? We own these expensive cell phones, tablets, laptops, and computers, but how many of you own stocks in those companies? You're on social media, but are you a stockholder in those companies that are publicly traded? All of the restaurants that you patronize, who you could be buying shares of, but you aren't. While you're helping them make money, why aren't you also making money? That way, every time you chaw down and chow down on a buffalo wild wing, you could be like, yeah, because you know that you own shares in Buffalo Wild Wings. Like, come on. How do you guys start your day? How does your family start the day? Do you all sit down at a table or kitchen island for breakfast? I mean, knowing the dynamics of many families nowadays, the answer is probably no. And especially now that we're in COVID-19 debacle, like some of you guys are just trying to have as much space. Some of you are breathing next to windows, just trying to feel a sense of separation from family. So <laughs> so for the most part, everyone is face planted into their mobile devices and tablets, scarfing down food where Ever they are in the home. No one's talking about business, investing, saving, nothing, right? No one's talking about how saving and investing for the college fund could and should be a shared responsibility, whereby early investing and then reinvesting of dividends and sell-offs could potentially add nice chunks to your child's college and post-college fund. Heck, your child may not want to go to college. Their career choice may require a handful of classes and jumping right into the saddle. And that fund that you and your child contributed to can ensure that they aren't stressed out and struggling after high school trying to figure out how to make ends meet or stressing you out wondering how long they will continue living in your home past age 18. Let's keep it real. No parent wants their 30-something, 40-something, or 50-something-year-old child sleeping on their couch sofa or their bedroom, their old bedroom. That's just, you don't, you don't, right? 
There's a reason your home is called a nest. Once those heifers get big and strong enough, they're supposed to fly off and build their own nest. The problem is many parents aren't properly equipping their children with the skills to learn how to build and take care of their own nest. Some of you all are just, you're leaving that up to the schools to do. But um, did you forget the school districts hacked away at the budgets that provided for home economics and other related courses that taught budgeting, cooking, sewing, and life skills? Why? Because school officials said that parents can teach their kids that. Hmm. The same parents who are busting their butt at work 10, 12, 14 plus hour days who are oftentimes struggling with managing life skills themselves. Yep. It would be great if schools kept home ec and if families invested time in teaching life skills and reinforcing what kids learn in home ec. Those of you who are old enough to have taken home ec in middle school, a.k.a. junior high, and possibly even high school, what do you remember? I still remember that one drop of dishwashing liquid will fill an entire sink with suds. I doubted my teacher, but she was right. I still remember and use the sewing techniques that my teacher taught. I also remember what my paternal grandmother, who also sewed, taught me. My dad showed me how to hem pants. Yep, he had plenty of suit pants that I got to practice on. So yes, I still will hem my clothes, um, sew or mend something real quick without a second thought. Bishop, my dog, he can tear up his fabric doggy toys if he wants. His mommy will pull out his her little sewing kit and fix those bad boys. Those, those, te- oh, those toys are not cheap. <laughs> Thanks to Home Ec and my family, I'm still using those skills. Taking Home Ec inspired me to be more creative at home. I cooked more. I got excited about making clothes, bags, and other things. I can definitely say that it helped me a lot. My typing class in middle school helped me to be the super fast typist that I am today. And back then, we used typewriters. So you know I've got some skills, right? Um, You know, my mom, spending so much time in the kitchen with my mom and my dad, learning, and is. Thanks to my mom, my, my sister and I, we can throw down in the kitchen and I can throw down on the grill too. Don't play with me. <laughs> um, when my sister was, a, I think, a freshman or sophomore in high school, she took a class that taught them about budgeting and money management. I don't know if she still remembers what she was taught. I don't know. My sister, I mean, she did make it a habit of ditching classes to head to El Pollo Loco and Carl's Jr. So I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I don't say that to make fun of my sister. I say that because it wasn't that long ago and her high school had the sense to offer that class to students. Administrators understood the value of that class. Personally, I feel like it should be a mandatory class that's accelerated each year. So it should be taken in grades 9 through 12 with each year being more challenging and immersive. Kids should graduate fully prepared for the financial trappings awaiting them. And I remember in undergrad when all of the different um, banks and credit card companies would be like vultures sitting on our campuses. And I mean, look how many years it took before um, parents got state legislators to say, okay, you guys can't prey on them this way. Like there's other ways to pray. <laughs> there's other, other ways to pray on them. But that's how I got my first credit card. Silly Willie. Um, I also think that it's a disservice to our youth that schools don't offer business courses or credit for dual enrollment in college or other third-party provider business courses. Students should have knowledge of business math, management, marketing, and human resources. Then guess what? They are then better prepared to be valuable employees or dynamic employers. Could sh- they, they shouldn't, students shouldn't have to be waiting until after high school to pursue entrepreneurial dreams. 
that lemonade stand of the past isn't dead. It just needs to be reimagined. That's why I jumped at the chance to help create, build, and mold an entrepreneurial program for my ex-husband's nonprofit, Operation Hope. The program, Hope Business in a Box, took less than one year to pilot, erect, and roll out in four markets. And we started with middle school and high school students, but my colleague, Michelle Hurst-Burton, and I also drafted the curriculum and instructor's manual for elementary integration. And I'm still mentoring and in contact with some of the students who were in seventh and eighth grade when they first went through Hope Business in a Box. And now they're in college. Um, It's it's amazing to, to see the growth, but also to see how the different things that I taught them and mentored them um, in those, those, you know, formative stages of their life that they're implementing those. Right. And they then sought out um, other sources to reinforce and to grow and to learn and develop further from because they got it early enough. We can make better decisions when we look at things through a business lens coupled with, of course, that special sauce that we call common sense. When my college students ask me questions, I break things down as I would any business case. I help them to see the layers and factors that they normally would overlook. I'm not saying that people should major in business. No, not everyone's wired that way. Not everyone's supposed to be an entrepreneur. Really. What I'm saying is that you should be reading various business leadership, management, finance, and marketing books. I'm saying that if you're going to invest in college courses, then you should take some classes in the core areas that I mentioned. If you're going to take, you know, classes on Teachable, Udemy, Coursera, or whatever, or wherever, take some business classes too. We would have less businesses struggling if their owners had stronger business acumen. People who specialize in a certain field are obsessed with their field, which means they probably don't see how business is relevant. If it's making dollars, then you better make sense of it all. And you should not be relying on a bookkeeper or accountant to do it for you. You better understand what those numbers mean and what they don't. P&L isn't a sandwich. ROI isn't a store. What you don't know that you don't know is killing your career. Teachers work for schools, but forget those schools are businesses. I don't care if they're nonprofit. They're a business that's in business. <laughs> Simple. You, my friends, better learn the inner workings of that business so that you can be a voice of change, a catalyst of change to help that business run smoother. When they issue out those reports, if you don't know what those reports mean, ask, find out. You better know those numbers and know how your part in those numbers because understand you are one of those numbers. You're factored in. That business called a school knows exactly how much to the penny you cost them. Know it because they do. Churches and other religious structures are businesses. They just get nonprofit perks by the IRS. But please know they are a business. Mismanaged funds and resources and inability to generate money for operations could lead to their closure. I mean, why do you think so many churches were trying desperately to not be put on the back burner due to COVID-19? They need those tithes and offerings each week. Like, that's the reason why <laughs> saying, oh, these churches are essential businesses. We need them reopened. No, you don't. They're online. They're good. They can still collect tithes and offerings online but they collect more in person because that's how you can keep having those baskets keep going back because you keep saying we need more. Once a person does their credit card or debit card once online, that's a wrap. You get that one transaction. Now, let's look at the arts and music. So 
music industry. I, mean, I just, you know, talked about it earlier. Everyone's uploading their music on SoundCloud and other platforms trying to make it big to be rich so they can get the bling, the big houses, fancy cars, and whatever else comes with that. Creatives don't realize that you truly do make more money behind the scenes owning the company, being the executive on the project, being behind the camera, making the beat, writing the song. Look at the song credits for your favorite artist's songs. If the singer isn't also the songwriter, then woe to their bank balance. It's the songwriter who's cashing those residual checks. It's the producer who made the music that's smiling when those royalty checks roll in every time that song's played on the radio or downloaded online. The reactionary step to take is to say, well, I will just start my own imprint, my own label. And even then, you'll probably fall flat on your face because guess what? You don't have the business skills to lead and manage the team required to succeed at that level that you desire. I love that we have music and band classes, groups and camps. What's missing is teaching the kids about the business that makes that music go around the world. The only way we can hear that music around the world is because of a business. Period. You hear the music on Spotify because Spotify is a business. You hear it on Pandora because Pandora is a business. There's businesses. All of these things make it possible. Even if the teacher's clueless, how difficult is it to search on YouTube or somewhere else online and find videos and tutorials on copyright protection, licensing rights, etc., etc.? Parents are quick to sign off on their child competing on these TV shows and pageants, but don't realize the legal and business implications that are at risk because they're chasing money and fame without understanding the true big picture. You're pimping out your child. I mean, come on, know the business so that you're not then pimping out your child. Imagine taking art classes and also learning how to market, sell, and protect your art. Imagine taking science, technology, robotics, and engineering classes and learning how to patent, market, and sell your ideas. Schools removed agricultural classes. Big mistake. Horticulture, agriculture, big mistake. The largest wealth comes from agriculture. I mean, don't believe me? Then don't eat. We eat food. Agribusiness is booming, yet we keep positioning our children and young adults to be the service providers within the restaurants and establishments where the food is being sold. Huh? I mean, I get it. Farming doesn't seem sexy. And I get it. If you're African-American, the first thing that comes to your mind is is uh, slavery and oh, plantations and tenant farms and everything else. Right? Farming doesn't look sexy except to farmers, but farmers know something that most of us don't. If you can build and acquire enough and push that weight like your life depends on it, you could build an empire. Sadly, a lot of small farms are being bought out or forced to close by the big players. And without younger generations stepping in and stepping up to the plate to take over the reins and incorporate creative and innovative ways that can catapult the family business, the business dies. We don't want our kids to be farmers, but then some of our kids end up being dope boys. It just makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. (sighs) Agribusiness is so lucrative that the drug cartels were smart enough to invest in or strong arm and take over operations of farms around the world. Trust and believe food crops are pushing more weight than drug crops. Folks got to eat. People eat more than they get high. Believe it or not, there is a constant demand for fruits, veggies, seeds, nuts, dairy, eggs, steak, 
uh, bacon, pork chop, sugar, salt. Goodness, hungry and thirsty all at the same time right now. (laughs) We should be teaching our children how to be producers, not just consumers, how to own the businesses, not just work and slave in them, how to invest in ideas, not just give them away. If people read management and leadership books and even went so far as to take courses, they would learn how to be better managers and leaders of self and others. You can't be a great manager or leader of others if you suck at managing yourself. It pains me so to see a great cook who jumps to open a restaurant, yet they have no business and management experience. They just know how to cook real good. Well, baby, that ain't good enough. If you don't know how to track those inflows and outflows, factor in shortages and turnover and deal with losses from natural disaster or bad customer views, or you aren't a people person, Lord have mercy on you and everyone around you. You are mixing up a recipe for disaster. You don't have to be a business brainiac, but it, you better know enough to know if your business is doing good, great, bad, or is digging a grave. You better have some good sense to hire a business manager, highly skilled bookkeeper, and a marketing professional to assist you. Don't just hire Riri or Sandy or Pebbles or who, gosh, just, just because they're a heartbeat does not mean they need to have a place that is going to impact your business. If you don't have restaurant management experience, then you better hire someone who does. Let your team take your ideas and make them better, stronger, more resilient, and profitable. Just because you love clothes and shopping doesn't mean that you have what it takes to start your own clothing line or open a clothing store. Get the skills and education and build a team that is strong in areas where you aren't and stronger in areas where you possess strength. This applies to professionals who do hair, nails, massages, um, eyebrows, eyelashes, tattoos, piercings, body shaping, whatever else. I mean, the, the, the... whatever. The biggest disservice is not taking business seriously. It's not taking the courses, getting the experience and exposure, getting the help, surrounding yourself around smarter and stronger people than you and learning from them. Twitter almost imploded because they had engineers and techies who didn't know jack about business. No pun intended, Jack Dorsey. Uh, Twitter, you know, they did have board members with business backgrounds, who demanded, I mean, these were investors, they weren't planning, they demanded that the experience be brought in and fully utilized, or they would be withdrawing their investment dollars right up out of there. And Twitter CEOs, oh my goodness, they kept changing like cascading dominoes falling, because ego moves were being made, and the business was not the true priority. If you're trying to make money from an idea, you better know business or know someone who does, and then trust that they won't destroy the idea. So you don't have to kick their butt or sue them. (laughs) If you want an idea to grow wings, take off, soar, and touch and change lives, then you need to have some basic understandings of business. And please know that in business, there's psychology, anthropology, and other sciences deeply embedded in the roots, trunk, and branches. Business deals with the human elements and what inspires, motivates, and influences humans to make decisions, usually ones that include a monetary exchange between parties. This week, I began teaching a new semester of management and HR management courses. And one of my HR students emailed me a few a question or two a few weeks ago um, because she's contemplating the academic moves that she's thinking about taking and whether it would be more advantageous to just get her um, SHRM certification um, 
and which is a Society of Human Resource Management certification since she already has several years of HR experience. And I broke down all the possible scenarios for her as I would any business question issue dilemma. By allowing her to see things from those perspectives, she can now make the best decision for her. It would seem that as a college professor, I would be encouraging her to take college classes, pursue this degree or that degree. But the reality is not everything is cookie cut or simple. You have to look at all the variables that you see and consider the ones that you don't see. What are her goals, intentions, time, and financial restrictions? Going to college just to go to college is stupid. And yes, I said that very loud because I need the people in the back to hear. What's the end goal? And can the end goal be achieved without college? Can it be achieved without college in less time and for less money? Well, then that's when your common sense better kick in and fast. Not all careers require college, but as I've said multiple times, all careers require business knowledge. I don't care how you get it or how much you consume and learn, just get it done. Read, study, practice, test out, implement. If you went to college and you aren't applying more than 50% of what you learned and still building upon what you learned, then why exactly did you go to college for all those years? I mean, really? I could continue sharing more examples that support my thoughts and beliefs on this. I think instead, I'm going to save it for the book that I'm prepping right now. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> oh, well, folks, it's that time again. Time to wrap up the door separate ways until next week. If you have questions or suggestions about this show, please email them to us at don'tcallitsmallbiz with a Z at gmail.com. Um, let me share an excerpt from a 2018 Medium article. Um, I know I'm going to probably butcher the name. Let's see. Um, it's written by Chamwa Shikati. And Shikati said, The key is to think things through and lay a foundation that will not be shaken when adversity threatens to destroy what you have built. Having a plan is important. Having a vision is important. Having the right infrastructure in place is important. But strong foundations are more than the big picture strategy. Strong foundations are about a mindset, a mindset of laying a foundation in place that can support the ups and downs and twists and turns inherent with a startup with a desire to expand. Woo, booyah. With that, be sure to check us out on Facebook at Foreman Associates um, and on IG and Twitter at Foreman LLC. Our podcast Twitter handle is It Ain't Small. Be sure to also follow me. Um, Oh, wait a minute. Um, Make sure that you share us with your friends, family, and colleagues. Hello. But follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Natasha L. Foreman. Reach out to me. Say hello. Share your story. I look forward to meeting you. I want to make sure I give proper credit for our show theme song. I'm in here, you know, bobbing my head. It's called Higher Up. It's by Shane Ivers. Um, Thank you for tuning in to the Don't Call a Small Business Podcast for sharing these episodes with others and for your continued support. Don't forget what I tell you on each and every episode. Don't call what you're planning, thinking, dreaming, or doing little or small. Go big, go bold, or go nowhere. I'll see you here next week for episode 40. Have a super awesome day and week. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.